We are Wrestling Elitists. I'm your co-host, Chris Scott Moore, joined as always with Alex Abrahantes Gibson. And oh, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And a very mustached uh, a man who gets sexual pleasure in the differences between a C-Corp and an S-Corp on tax filing forms, Mr. Sean Nash. How's it going, boys? Oh, that, what a fantastic start to a day. I'm bringing the fire. I'm ready to go. <laughs> I love how, like, every week it's like either I get complimented or Sean does. It can never be both of us getting a nice intro. <laughs> Keep one of us hot, one of us cold. Goddamn right. All right. Well, speaking of making us feel hot, so thanks for checking us out. We we appreciate your continued support. Uh, last week's podcast was the most listened to, and we appreciate you streaming us uh, and sharing it with fellow wrestling fans. If you'd like to continue to support the show, please subscribe to the show via iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast, and give us a five-star review to boot. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Wrestling Elitist Podcast, and now on Instagram at Wrestling Elitist Podcast. Even though I'm manning that, I don't really know what the hell I'm doing on Instagram, but we'll figure that out later. What we do know is that uh, WrestlingElitist.com is our website, and we've had the second highest week of traffic in our site's history last week. So thank you for supporting us and visiting the site. Uh, just posted on Thursday was my analysis of the MJF promo that we'll talk about later in the show today, the genius of MJF. And then again, if you have a question you'd like us to discuss in the show, email us or add us on our platforms, and we'll discuss next week. So Sean, can you give everyone who's a new listener an introduction of how the format is for the show? The format goes, it's our match of the week, moment of the week, news item of the week, cringeworthy item of the week, what we're looking forward to in the coming weeks and months. But this week was a moment where moments shined and one was better than the rest and, and you know it. So we got to start there. Alrighty, yeah. So let's talk about that awesome promo that MJF uh, had on Dynamite. Now, before we go into our individual takes, the first thing I just wanted to ask you guys: Do you think this was the best in-ring promo that MJF has ever done? I think best promo AEW's had. I think that was just perfect. The, the emotion throughout it all is yeah. fantastic. Alex, I think what are your thoughts and talk about the promo? Yeah, I, I would say that it's it's the best MJF has had, probably the best AEW has had. Like the only thing that really competes with it in my mind is when CM Punk made his return in Chicago for the first dance. But the meaning behind Punk's promo at versus what what MJF was doing, like to actually advance the storyline and all of those things, I think the the meaning that's behind MJF's makes it a more important, better promo overall. But first of all, I was I was really confused as to where it was going right at the beginning because he was uh, because of the way it started, the way it started and continued to be, I thought at some point he was going to break what he was saying and then, you know, go into typical MJF, but he never did, which is such a unique thing. I think I'm so programmed by like what a stereotypical heel would be that he would come out to get sympathy and then be like, I'm just kidding you guys. I don't care. But you know I mean? That type of a thing. And I, I really like that they stuck with it the entire way through, even having at the end of it, CM Punk coming out, no music, just kind of coming out silently asking him is this true mjf saying you know shaking his head saying yes and just kind of walking away you could legitimately see a tear running down his face yeah that was an incredible incredible promo and i i really hope that there were people they had they had great ratings last week they were over a million again i hope that there were some people that were giving AEW a chance last week and saw that for the first time because that was that was awesome. I have my thoughts on where I think that that means that that match will go, but I'll, I'll wait. I'll, I'll pause on that and see your guys' thoughts. If you had anything to add besides what I just had. Yeah. Sean, what were your thoughts? Um, 
like I said, I think that was the best AEW promo they've had. There's so much emotion evoked in that. Um, he he threw out a great question of, are there actually Jews in the house? Are there Jews in the house? <laughs> Perfect. Like the only little bit of like sunlight we see in that little dark day of dark description of his. Um, I don't think at a, any time in place was that actually around the time when he was talking about with that pipsqueak photo. He was not a middle linebacker at that time in his life. He was way too scrawny. Um, but otherwise, perfect. That tear in his eye, that was great. That'll hold up with Ric Flair saying it with a tear in his eye. Um, Punk's reaction to, and the, the way he comes out is kind of perfect. He's got no music, no mic, no ring gear. He's almost in disbelief that his actions last week and his comments brought back these dark days for this kid who was just called a Jew boy and put down his whole life. Um, but he, the whole time he had his right fist cocked and ready just in case this was some bullshit and he was about to kick him in the balls. I think you said everything perfectly in your, uh, your article on the, the website. So do you have anything else you'd like to say, Chris? Yeah, for those who haven't read it, um, I started laughing the moment that MJF came out because he had the tears in his eyes. Um, he went into his promo. His his speech was halted. He was kind of saying um, a little bit more than he's ever done, which he's never done before. Gives an emotional uh, speech. Now, I think that's probably true. Some of the things that have happened, I think he's alluded to that before and uh, facing anti-Semitism and just bullying and stuff like that. But his character knows he's fucked. He knows he's doomed against CM Punk. So the one thing he resorts to is mind games. And he's the greatest at mind games. And he uses bullying as a way to break down CM Punk and make him weaker. CM Punk's reaction to everything at the end of the promo was fantastic but just in ring um mjf uh gave his origin story of why he's a villain and why he's a bad guy and it makes total sense and it completely fits who he is as a character and he's still a bad guy and still wants to kick punk's ass at revolution and still wants to uh claim a victory for himself um, but he would be an obsessive fan. He would be, like I said in the article, a guy who would call him a quieter on Twitter and just like be pissed off that CM Punk left wrestling and take it so personally and get so fucked up in the head. And I think the symbolicism, again, of the dog collar match is so perfect because he is tied to CM Punk in his mind in so many ways. So that was a great payoff. And it was a good use of a gimmick match that there isn't always a lot of psychology behind a gimmick match. There isn't always a lot of like, oh, that's kind of deep on a metaphorical level. This one actually was, and it'll be cool to see what they do with it. So Alex, where do you think this is going to go in terms of a storyline this week on Dynamite and just in at Revolution? I just want to real quick before I go into that, uh, acknowledge that, I don't know, did you guys see that uh, that photo that he talked about commenting on of of CM Punk versus uh, at the time Daniel Bryan. Um, yes, that, yeah, that, I saw that. That yeah. Instagram, that Instagram account had a screenshot of yeah. this comment that he was talking about. Like that's legitimate. That whole thing that he talked about. So that was pretty. That was pretty wild to actually see that. Um, and he did have titles anyways, too. That like a dislike. Not to not to make fun of yeah. dyslexic people at all, but like just common like because I had a friend who's dyslexic and just common typos that dyslexic folks have like we're in there and it was like okay that's another added touch of realism to it so again great fucking payoff and build to what this was this was fantastic work it, it really was but i i am seeing right now in my mind i think that that match ends it, it reminds me a little bit of the old Sami Zayn and neville nxt feud where like sammy was never willing to go that final he wasn't willing to cheat to win or whatever when there was a ref bump or something like that so in my mind, I think there's going to be something with Punk 
where he doesn't go for the kill when he should. That's and and MJF is going to take advantage of that. I don't know if they'll do it to where like it'll be clear that MJF was like kind of playing possum type of a thing, or if it'll be more that it was truly CM Punk not not taking the chance when he could. But that's that promo made me feel like in the way that Punk was like, "Is this true?" Made me feel like they're setting up for Punk to just not not bring everything that he normally would bring because he feels bad for MJF. I don't know. Do you guys have any similar thoughts to that? Uh, um, oh, go on. You, you, no, Chris, no, I just kind of, I kind of think maybe you put it into my head of just the way you broke it out in the article is maybe Punk kind of holds back throughout the whole match and that gives MJF the ability to just be a heel in a match that has no DQ, but just find the ways to be dirty enough to to win this match. Yeah, I don't care where it goes either way in terms of a storyline and finish. I have no um, set in stone like, oh, I'm going to have hurt feelings as a fan if it doesn't go the way that I want it to go. Um, they could either do CM Punk kind of teased what he did with against Eddie Kingston, where he just goes over the edge to beat him and gets the fans upset and it works of turning him quasi heel or he uh, or he loses to MJF and doesn't go as hardcore on him and MJF becomes a challenger for Hangman at the next pay-per-view, which we want to see MJF become champion. I mean, if this is the type of shit he can put out when he's given carte blanche and he really puts his heart into something, that's going to be a big star that transcends and hopefully goes uh, beyond uh, casual wrestling fandom. That promo gave me, I, I've always thought that MJF would never, ever end up being a babyface, no matter how long he's in AEW. I don't necessarily want it today, tomorrow, even in the next year, but I actually have faith that he could 100% be an awesome babyface at some point in his career, which I, I thought he was just going to kind of always be the heel because his character is just so great at that. Mm-hmm. But that was the first time where I truly saw that as a potential. Do you think he's the best promo in the business right now, for sure? I mean, I guess the problem is I can't think of anybody who I'd put yeah, above him or exactly. I'd even put even next to him. I think I think he's even above Punk at this point. Punk is great, don't get me wrong, but Punk is still kind of riding that nostalgia train mm-hmm. and everything like that. Like Everything he does gets in a reaction. And MJF just, he knows how to push buttons, uh, but also not do it. Like, you know, every time you see a lot of people who are heels say stuff that it kind of actually upsets people. And they're like, well, we know you're a heel, but you got to watch saying X, Y, Z. MJF manages to get heat every single week. And he hasn't had a controversy around anything like that. Yeah. Nothing phases him or like the crowd doesn't get him going or stops him for one moment when he starts speaking. So I think he's definitely the best promo out there. There's no doubt yeah he's certainly the most polished and i think again knowing his age it's incredible to think like what his future looks like and what the upside looks like and what he could do with more time or if his uh interest and his just passion for an angle is high like what he could do if he really wanted to make someone what that would look like i think he's got an incredible future and uh he really does belong i think in the top five top ten of all time in terms of promos i mean i think he's up there with some of the greatest performers of all time um, in ring, yeah, maybe not the greatest of all time, but just all around performer and heat and uh, ability to have verbal dexterity. I mean, he's just the shit. So good stuff this week. Uh, it's going to make that match so awesome. And uh, we're excited for that. But let's go into uh, match of the week. We were all in agreement that 
Danielson versus Garcia. I almost lost it there and said a certain banned word. I got very close. Holy shit. That was that was not good. I don't want to uh, pull an Alex. So, uh, Sean, talk to, talk to us about what you thought about that match. Yeah, this will be a minefield for uh, being an Alex. Uh, Danielson versus Garcia was uh, probably the best match this week. I think uh, I agree with you, Chris, with it being a, a four-star match. Um, I love a wrestler who continues to use the the dragon screw. That's the perfect move for a, a submission-style wrestler, a technical wrestler. Tanahashi, fantastic with it, but Daniel Garcia used it great. Garcia is much more of a, a violent contender for brian's violence club than uh, lee moriarty kind of feels he's arrogant and sub uh submission holds and stuff like that almost like a young daniel Bra- brian danielson oh, didn't, man. Didn't, say it. didn't get quite uh, that in uh, I, I don't know about that. i feel like that's like, well, he would have been young at that. that point well we'll talk to them later um <laughs> it's not going to work on an older brian danielson but it might have worked on a younger brian danielson um, <laughs> that that bicep post uh, chokehold that uh, uh, Brian's always doing—it's becoming a staple. It's becoming great, great heat, great uh, vertical suplex outside the ring to the outside, uh, followed up with that flying knee. Great match. Two point came out because they knew Garcia definitely passed the test. He was going to be in, but the breakdown happens and officially set up that uh revolution match for this next sunday can't wait it'll be fun you mentioned the 2.0 part of that i love the idea of this potential faction just if it gets garcia away from those two i just i they're too like they're too much of caricatures of like pro wrestling like 80s pro wrestlers whereas you look at like a, a young bucks who've you know they pissed a lot of people off you know for years because they're kind of basically you know, there's kind of almost like a satire of what, you know, pro wrestlers kind of were like the over the top, everything like that. But they're still like really believable. And like, even with the meta stuff that they'll do, it still feels like you're watching people who like are truly good professional wrestlers. 2.0, I'm at a point right now with them that every time they talk, it just feels like it almost feels like they're making fun of pro wrestling. I don't know if you guys feel similar to that. But um, also, I, I'm really excited about the angle that they're taking for Mox versus uh, Danielson here, because I think that it's a, instead of it being like a true heel versus face type of a thing, it's almost like a, just two guys that need to need to fight it out type of a type of a match. And that'll be really interesting. I don't know which way that'll go, but I was of a similar mind in terms of this match being a four-star match. I don't really have anything to add outside of what, what Sean added there. Um, I, I thought that it was pretty, pretty physical, um, I actually kind of expected it to be more grounded on the mat than it was, but I, I like the way that they did it. Yeah, I had a hard time listening to anything that Sean said because I just imagined him walking down to the ring singing Bailey's song and doing the entrance. And uh, so we'll have to just have the viewers ask us if we think Sean needs to do the song, but we'll just leave that, it up to them. They'll be the official judges. Fandom. Um, <laughs> is there a way on on our website to put a to put a poll or anything like that we instagram. Should, i'm sure there is make there it an go, instagram yeah. story there you go <laughs> go to the instagram, <laughs> instagram post now uh, i gotta i gotta create a bunch of fake instagrams cool yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> so the match itself yeah very great i liked uh the start of it where danielson yelled at garcia show me what you got uh they did an exchange of chops and kicks and working on each other's knees 
Uh, I'm a sucker for Tiger suplex, and then he did that into the cattle mutilation. Uh, Garcia did a great job with the ankle lock. I think that would be a great finisher for him to use and something that he does on a continuous basis. Kurt Angle's not coming back, and no one really does the, the ankle lock really permanently anyways now, regardless, so that would be a perfect fit for him. Jake Hager. Jake Hager. Oh, that's right. The favorite wrestler of so many people who listen to our show. I know that he's a he's a favorite of so many of our supporters. So I don't want to I don't want to solely the name of Jake Hager because he's uh, one of the greatest professional wrestling stars of all time and a quasi main eventer of a WrestleMania too. So I don't want to again solely his reputation and name. Can't take that um, away. But yeah, I like how this match Garcia got more offense and Lee did. Um, there could be a pattern of okay, maybe they do join a stable. But part of me also thinks that Danielson just wants to beat the shit out of guys that he perceives as some semblance of a threat. And he just wants to get that victory over them to get himself ready for Moxley. But that's how I saw it. Anything else you want to add before we go on to news of the week? All righty, let's jump into it. Uh, Sean, what was your news item of the week? This, like the end of March, is going to be filled with a lot of arrivals and departures for us as we go to WrestleMania. But... Buddy Matthews came, Cesaro went. Pretty good move, uh, weekend of or week of moves, I should say. Um, all all rise for the new king of the Black Throne. Buddy Matthews is going to be perfect in that stable. Uh, it's going to be an inter- interesting relationship with Buddy and Malachi because it seems like it's a very like listen to me and look what the fuck I'm doing and follow me. They've got such a history with a bunch of matches back in WWE, so it'll be fun to see how this goes. Cesaro, please put him in. Uh, AEW. Hopefully, he goes over to New Japan. Hopefully, we see him WrestleMania weekend, maybe at Bloodsport. That'd be super cool. I think he'd be a perfect member for uh, Brian Danielson's Violence Club. Uh, make him kind of more like robotic and like Terminator esque, and he's just a perfect violence machine. Well, do you guys have any thoughts on the the new additions and subtractions? I thought the. Buddy, Buddy Matthews has been somebody that I, when he first got let go, I was really hoping to see him because he's got a lot of, uh, you could tell that he's watched a lot of Kenny Omega and the way that he uses yeah, his knees and things like that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I also love, I don't know what he's calling his finisher now. I think it used to be called like the, it was like the whale hunt or like Murphy's Law is what it was when he had it, but it's originally whale hunt, I think. Um, I, I th- always thought that that was a cool finisher. I didn't love the debut. I think we'll get into that a little bit on Cringe of the Week. Cool. Um, but, uh, overall I thought that it was a, uh, really good, yeah, I mean, he's massive. He is just a, like, he is just like, yes. yoked. I, I, I don't, I, there's no way he could buy shirts that fit him. He probably has to mm-hmm. walk around shirtless all the time. Right. Because <laughs> he is just, he's just, he's too big. I don't, I don't get it. So I'm excited to see him and I think it'll be a nice kind of change of pace between, uh, the style of, you know, Brody King and him working with Malachi. So interested in how the how the rest of that feud goes my news of the week actually was also the cesaro stuff so i'll go ahead and just talk about that too um first of all that's another fun one that we we might end up having punishments for if you don't call him claudio castagnoli any now so that is going to be that's tough. Something to look yeah. for. <laughs> well, he's never going to be brought up so <laughs> yeah uh but really excited and i think about somebody like cody leaving and the amount of mo- that that amount of money that that frees up to bring in a Cesaro, somebody who I think is universally looked at by a lot of wrestling fans as one of those guys that was a hundred percent they dropped the ball on. 
there, there's other guys who they're like, like uh, you know what, they've done good elsewhere and, and whatnot. But it, it's right up there with FTR where I think uh, Cesaro could come in and be a top a top performer. I think I'd love to see what his actual personality is because I feel like we never really got a whole whole big of a chance to see it. But he's always been on like up, up, down, down. Um, and he's got some other stuff like that. So I I really hope that that Tony is doing everything he can to get him because I know that it's it's crowded at the top already. But man, Cesaro set free, just giving everybody European uppercuts. I'd love it. Yeah, it's amazing that he lasted as long as he did, knowing that Vince buried him essentially on Stone Cold's podcast. Like that was just why would you want to stay anymore after he just used him as an example of a guy that can't go for the brass ring and doesn't have it, doesn't have star power or charisma. Um, it just shows how out of touch he is and how misguided his tastes are now and how he doesn't know how to identify talent. Like he used to know how to identify talent um, Cesaro or Claudia, whatever he ends up becoming in the future um, is a great worker. And he's like, you know, you hear on dirt sheets and stuff that he's like universally loved and adored backstage um, because of his conduct. So I think he'll do well in AEW. And just one thing too about like the roster getting so big. Well, so fucking what? Like the UFC has a huge roster. The NFL is a huge roster. If it's a real sport, it's going to have a big roster. I get that it's different in terms of presentation because that's new for us as wrestling fans to have a company that has so much talent, but like it's not the end of the world. Like whatever, who gives a shit? And then maybe you can get to a point too where they can have off seasons and you have people that just go away for three months and you know it and it's, hey, I'm doing this in my life or I'm having a kid or you're just open about it and no one gives a shit. No one had a problem when Hangman left. No one had a problem with Kyle O'Reilly leaving. Like that would be kind of great if you just didn't do an injury angle or they didn't have a concussion before they went in the elimination chamber, wink, wink. They just said like, hey, I'm going to do stuff with my life or I'm going to be in a shitty movie or I'm going to do a stupid reality show. Anyways, a little rant that I just had because it just was bothering me how people were saying like, oh, it's so he's not going to come now. They don't have the money. Like, well, it's so fucking what? We'll be fine. Okay, so speaking of backstage people who are great, uh, let's go into your favorite person, Alex. Shawn Michaels got some news on him being kind of a dick. Uh, Dax was on Renee's Shock. show. Yeah, shocking. Surprise, surprise. Self, uh, it's, it's always the ones you most suspect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who would have thought a self-described religious zealot would be a hypocrite? It's, it's, it's crazy. Um, but yes, uh, Dax was on the sessions with Renee and Dax told a really unfortunate story of like how he was opening up about some of the struggles that he faced backstage, some of the issues with his wife and just relationship. And if he still wants to do that. And then when Sean was around the click, he became a cunt. So too bad. Uh, it's just a, it's hard to believe that Dax is lying and not telling the truth. Um, and you just don't understand why Sean would do that. It's just such a shitty thing to do. Um, and then even he offered like an olive branch too, and said like, oh, I'd like to get his thoughts one day and understand where he's coming from. Um, so before we talk about Sean, I'd just like to say too that that podcast and interview was really great. And Dax revealed a side of himself that we haven't had a chance to see. It just shows what a high character guy he is and just what an awesome dude he comes off as. Uh, openly talked about bulimia. And for men, body dysmorphia is kind of a topic that no one talks about as much. We're all advocates of opening up and talking about your shit and sharing what you're going through because it is going to help someone. I loved it. I thought it was a fantastic interview. 
Yeah, I still need to need to go back and listen to that. But Renee is actually a really good interviewer. I think she's she's actually turned wrestling interviews and things like that to a, a way more interesting level than most. There's a lot of podcasts out there that'll interview wrestlers. I think that she is the one that makes it the most like interesting and like humanizing. I always liked Colt's uh, art of wrestling back in the day, but it was still kind of like it, it felt kind of like, I don't know, like two road comics talking where you don't really truly you're not in on the joke or, or whatever. You're not, you know, one of the inside people. I think Renee does, does a really good job of personalizing people and doing it in a, in a unique way. But just to touch on the HBK stuff, there's part of me that can't help but feel like because FTR idolizes Bret Hart so much, he just hates them because obviously, you know, the things between them. So I, I wonder how much of that plays into it. I hope that's so weird. I would hope that's not the case. That's so pathetic. But who knows? Which 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 makes it on brand for a professional wrestler, though. Unfortunately, at least at least a nineties professional wrestler. Yes. So, so that that's the sad thing with it, though. Yeah, it's like you you act a little different around your friends and your colleagues, but it's just sad when you go from that when you had the history of HBK and how big of a dick he was back in the day. It's got to be tough trying to confide in someone like that a, a hero and then they're, they're like that but renee put it best when she was like uh, she wanted to get those people uh dax and cash separately because you get to hear a little more personal stuff and the the personal breakdown of things that's happened in his life that he's had those really crazy to hear good to hear that someone like that is still has the the problems of an ordinary man because they're just put on such a pedestal of of our our, of our liking but Great podcast. Yeah, great episode. And I'm excited to hear what Cash has to say and listen to more of Renee's stuff. She does a great job. She uh, offers, I think it is, like you mentioned too, the difference between other great podcasts like uh, Colt Cabana, where it is a little bit stickier, just comical and riffing a little bit. And she offers, I think, just obviously a feminine touch and is able to just get in the motions and um, pull information out of people. And I think that's always a great trait as an interviewer. So good job there. Loved listening to that. And uh, check it out. It's a great podcast and just only continues to uh, cement our love for FTR. And you just root for these guys a thousand times more. And you care about how much they care about wrestling and its legacy and its impact when it's done right. Um, So speaking of things that are done right, let's go into Cringe of the Week. So we had a lot of... uh, a lot, lot to say here. So let's start with Sean. What was your uh, cringe of the week? I had to break the mold because I think two weeks ago, my anticipation ended up being this week's cringe. So I just couldn't go that way. Uh, but I had to go with how the handling of Pride and Powerful, Pride and Prejudice, whatever their name is, is their handling after the inner circle breakup. You would think that they win a match. They're going to go on and, and have the better storyline here. But they lose in the tag team turmoil battle royal. Jericho somehow gets his better revolution match. It just seems like it's another thing to work to Jericho's career and Pride and Powerful are kind of falling into the the trap of why they were getting out of the inner circle. I feel like it's kind of just a, a timing issue, really, of screwing them over because you have Red Dragon. You're obviously going to put them quickly into the title picture. But I just feel bad for him. Um, I'm sick of... Jericho kind of being the one who always comes out the winner. Uh, simple as that. Just feel bad for him. I want them to get there. They're just due. 
Yeah, just to comment on that too. I thought that maybe that would be what would propel them to win the tag team battle royal. Um, exactly. You know, and then and then you do Young Bucks and Red Dragon as a separate match. Um, yeah. But hopefully, maybe they go into turning on Jericho, and that's what it is because he essentially kind of they proved him right of like everything gets like you mentioned everything gets about Jericho. So maybe they do do a turn. I'd like to see the inner circle actually break up and have that be a proper pay-per-view match or at least a dynamite main event that's hyped for a few weeks. So it's not just forgotten and goes away because it really did feel like they were discarded. Um, so hopefully they get to do some more stuff down the line. Alex, anything you want to add to that before we. I, I think I brought it up a few weeks ago. It just feels like they wasted the breakup of inner circle. It, it happened yeah. six to eight months too late. And also it's weird the way that they're presenting it because Jericho hasn't committed to being a heel and he's with Hager, who obviously very beloved by many of the listeners of yes, this podcast. World renowned, but but top tier. Um, you know, generally speaking, nobody really cares about Jake Hager. So, like, you've got a face-ish Jericho, and just let's just say he's a net zero Hager, and then yes, they're going against Ortiz and Santana. But like, Ortiz and Santana are kind of like they're kind of being presented as faces, but kind of as heels. It's just like, there's no real definition as to who's the person that's right in this situation. It's, it's kind of odd. I, I'm not somebody who thinks that every tag team has to exist to break up, but I am somebody who believes almost every faction has to, or or there has to be, you know, people have to get kicked out and new people brought in type of a thing. And it just seems like a bit of a waste at this time, the way that they are doing it. I, I agree, Sean, that it's just, it may it, I get where they're going with Red Dragon and the Young Bucks with this uh, tag team uh, three-way match at Revolution. And so my guess is that the Bucks will win that other spot. But I I would have liked to have seen it propel Ortiz and, and Santana. I think, you know, when, when those two were not for sure signed, nobody knew if they were going to go to NXT at the time or AEW. I was like, Oh man, I hope they go to I hope they go to AEW because AEW will use them right. And I, I don't think that they have. They're one of the few groups or, or tag teams or talents that I think that AEW's truly not handled well. And I don't really understand why. They just they just haven't had a chance to showcase how great they are. So Yeah. Yeah, they're a great duo. Hopefully they get some time to shine and have some semblance of a run or at least get to challenge for the belts when uh, Red Dragon wins them on Re- at Revolution. Prediction. All right, well, let's go into what your uh, cringe was, Alex. Well, let's uh, let's do a callback to what you called me at the start of the show. Your namesake. Alex Abrahantes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's go. First of all, this guy could win cringe every week. Ooh. He's He is just a... Uh, I don't even... I don't have a nerd, a dweeb, a geek. I don't know what you want to call him, but all of those things. He is... He manages to make one of the most badass looking and and acting wrestlers on the roster at any time. He just manages to take away almost all of his cool. It's <laughs> it's actually it's actually impressive. And so now we get uh what is Penta Obscuro? Is that his is that his name now? Obscuro. Uh, Penta yeah. O- irrelevant. Obscuro, yeah. And the fact that I, what was it that you described him as, Sean? You said he looked like Uncle Fester, essentially. Yeah, a low budget. Uh, yeah, low, Uncle yeah, Fester. Wa- yeah, Walmart Uncle Fester, and like he's yeah. just there's nothing about him that connects to me, and 
I don't understand. Like, there's nothing that he brings to the table. It's like he has to have dirt on the Khan family or something like that. Like, I wish he would just go back to doing HP commercials at this point because he, I don't want to see him on my screen. I, I will not root for Penta until I see him Gone. turn. I, I want him to break his arm. Dead. Break, wow. break his arm like you did on, like on, on Lucha Underground. Legit. Oh, I was yeah, like, holy like, shit, that's like such a specific threat. You know. <laughs> Legit. <laughs> no, it's in character. Oh, okay. Like, um, <laughs> but I know I want him to go the way of the dodo. Just get rid of him. He's he's awful. Yeah, I was gonna say, uh, you know, that's not a nice way to say it, but sometimes bullies have a point. I just God bless him. You know he really wants to do it and he really cares and he tried and did his man, he put a lot of effort into it. But that was a costume that like You've met her. My sweet folksy mother would have been like, oh, Christopher, you're going to look so spooky for Halloween. <laughs> like, that's entirely what it looked like. And uh-huh. it, it definitely did take away the shine of Penta. Um, that match was a train wreck, too. And it shouldn't have been a train wreck because you have four of the most amazing performers in the industry going at it in a tag match. That should have been a classic match, but it wasn't because they were trying to accomplish so many things at once. So much going on with the new Penta gimmick the um you know halloween usa outfit going on the new entrance that didn't have a bite anymore to it because of the silliness attached to it uh and then the debut of buddy matthews not murphy which was great like wanted to see him and that was logical but then like you also saw friction with him and malachi malachi swallowing the mist which i think was a cool moment people shit on that i actually thought that was good but it needed to have its own moment because there were so many things going on. You're firing five different ideas and threads into one thing and eight minutes. It's like, holy shit. Like I just need time to, di- to, uh, to digest this. If this was spread out in the span of two weeks, it would have been fine, but it just was too much too soon too all at once. And uh, I don't think it's going to lead anywhere to like a revolution match or if it is, I don't know what's going on. So it's just, um, just not good. It was a, it was a, uh, I'd miss and Malachi Black really does need to have winning moments after his initial debut. Yeah, yeah, that was a good point that there was just way too many things going on at once. But at this point, and especially with a new like debuting gimmick or character, Pentagon doesn't need to come out with his manager. Keep it for the back. Keep it for the the promo segments in the back. There's no need for the interpreter to be there all the time. It's just, Please get him off. Yeah, if he's like a dead guy, what does he have to fucking say? Right. Again, Come out there, be a badass. But just not a – the execution was 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 missing. I thought that, that that segment just dragged on, just to kind of go back to what you were saying with that that match and everything being a train wreck. I, I also liked these having him swallow the mist. I thought that was a cool spot, the way that they did that. I also hate – in. Sometimes it makes sense if they've been presenting a character as you don't know which side he's on. But the fact that we all knew that Buddy Matthews was coming based off of those vignettes that were going, I mean, obviously they didn't fully show him, but everyone kind of knew that it was him. They were already teasing that there was another person coming. So it didn't make sense to me that he kind of made the save to stop Malachi from hitting Penta with the shovel but then didn't even make the save. Like, you know, the lights go out right as he's about to hit him. And then they didn't go back to that. Like, not that I necessarily wanted to get see uh, Penta get hit with a shovel, 
but it just I, I don't like when it's almost like they tried to make you think that there was a swerve, even though there wasn't a swerve. Those those spots just don't make sense to me, like from a it's those rare moments when I'm watching wrestling and it kind of takes me out of it because it's like they're trying so hard to swerve you that it's like yeah. that, that they're doing a non swerve swerve. And sure. I think fans are getting taken out of the lights going off thing, which isn't a bad idea, but it's been done a lot. And like that was actually a moment where JR was kind of salty on commentary and was like, the lights are off again. <laughs> just like just said it in a dismissive way where like, okay, yeah, I get that it's a little bit old, but um, it, it definitely hurts the beats of that. And, it, and then in that moment too, like he wasn't trying to hit his head. Wasn't he trying to like decapitate him with it or something or like stab yeah. and shovel into his gullet like yeah just a little too much like i get that you know he's an annoying manager but you don't want to kill his wrestler association because of it I and mean, that's just a little fucking harsh um but yeah i mean i'd like to see what they'll do but i don't know i, I thought it was building towards uh penta and malachi black because Pac is always in and out and you don't know what the hell's going on with him and I, that's what i thought it was leading to for revolution maybe that's like the dark match unintended uh, i don't know good one yeah good did you one. like that i was just fucking that 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 was a long game dad joke pod <laughs> set up there. finally don't don't uh, cut that out of the show we got to keep that good shit in <laughs> <laughs> all right uh, so speaking of good shit let's go into uh what we're anticipating in the weeks ahead so we've got revolution coming up we've got the batman coming out lots of good things to look forward to Ooh. sean what are you anticipating yeah, I'm looking forward to the Stacked Revolution card. I think this is a pay-per-view. They've had a couple, I feel like, but where the main event, AEW World Heavyweight Championship match isn't the it's probably the least hyped match. Uh you got Britt Baker, DMD, with Thunder Rosa for their title, Kingston and Jericho, Moxley Danielson, CM Punk, MJF, the three-way tag match, the uh, ladder match with four big boys and Orange Cassidy and Ricky Starks, maybe Scorpio Sky. I don't know what's what's going to go on there with the last uh, last person in the match, but I think there's so much to look forward to. Um, do you guys have a favorite coming up? I think the the dog collar match obviously is going to be yeah. pretty interesting. So, what do you guys think? Dog collar, I'm looking forward to, and I'm looking forward to Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa just to see what they can pull off and if that's going to be. A match uh, on the books. Yeah, and just I, I, I want to see that one. I think Thunder Rose is probably going to win. We can do an episode later on Revolution, but uh, I'm excited to see what they pull off the two of them together. I think the dog collar match for me is is clear one A, um, but also also the Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker, and then you know Adam versus Adam for the title of the best Adam in, uh, in AEW and and the title overall. I think that that'll be a good match. It's weirdly like not at a whole lot of heat for that. Like that's that's been my one complaint about the Hangman run so far, has been it just feels like other than obviously the stuff with Danielson, um, there hasn't been like a huge. It just hasn't felt like his matches have been the biggest match right. on the card or anything. Like it just. I hope that that changes, um, because it 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 was such a great run up until getting the title, but it just has kind of felt flat for me since he's had it. Yeah, I mean, he's had amazing matches, though, so I'm not, like, totally deflated. But I think it would help if they had him appear as champion at the start of the show on a continual basis just to go, hey, you're watching AEW Wrestling. This is the world champion, as opposed to, like, who's the champion again? 
Um, it's not a big thing, but because a lot of the fans, I don't know, they'll have different things they like to watch. And the main event isn't always the draw like it is in WWE. But yeah, he hasn't gotten the shine. But I also think it, it it's that thing of like, don't job Adam Cole to Orange Cassidy. That can go in a whole can of worms. But I just think <laughs> he wasn't presented as a top. He, he wasn't presented as well as I think Adam Cole could have been, could have been presented going into the feud for sure. Yeah. Especially for him to have that loss, even if it doesn't count right before he goes into this, but it, it actually just, you just kind of said something that made me, made me think, and it kind of calls back to earlier. I mentioned Sami Zayn back in NXT and when he, you know, wasn't willing to kind of do the, the everything that was needed to beat Neville originally. And, and that was kind of what, what was hindering him. Do you remember how like right immediately after Sammy lost the NXT title, like the following, like two weeks later, whatever after, cause Kevin Owens attacked him after he did win the title and then they had a match and, and Kevin won it. I almost kind of retroactively wonder if that's what they should have done and had Danielson take the title off of hangman. Maybe, maybe hangman's just better in the chase may, for me at least. And I wonder what that would have done or if it would have just kind of soured us on that. Yeah, I think I it would have killed him permanently. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it would have been a great storyline idea, but I think it would, especially if, if that's when Danielson really went full on heel and beat him and whatever. But like, I just think it would have made him look like such a loser. Hmm. Um, or it would have made the fans go like, okay, you're delaying his big triumphant win again and again and again. Um, well, okay, we can just, you know, bitch about this forever. <laughs> um, Alex, what are you uh, anticipating? Tony the promoter, baby. He's got another <laughs> announcement coming up and I can't wait to see what it is or hear what it is. Uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of belief that it's going to be about, you know, something with new Japan. I think we talked about that before too, and I wouldn't, wouldn't hate that at all, but I, I honestly, I still want to believe that it's, I, I saw somebody say like, it could be that they're buying ROH's library and then they're going to bundle that for like a, for a streaming service type of a thing so that we finally have, an AEW streaming service uh, would not be mad at that. Uh, I saw some conspiracy theories that actually he's buying ROH outright and letting Cody run that so that Cody can have his toy that he can ah. overbook. <laughs> um, that'd be kind of funny, which uh, speaking of that, I don't know if you guys saw, but there's some rumors that it's been really quiet on the Cody front and like people within WWE right now are speaking under the terms of if Cody arrives, we'll do X rather than like when Cody, I don't know if that's a, mm. them doing it on purpose from a, we don't want to spoil that he's coming or if it's like, they genuinely don't know if he will. So that'll be interesting, but definitely looking forward to hearing what Tony has. Um, I, I have a feeling it's gotta be the, there's a, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire with it being a new Japan type of a crossover show, but I'm not even really sure that AEW needs new Japan that much right now. They needed them year one, year two, and now at this point, unless we're getting like Okada or, um, you know, somebody of that caliber at this point, I'm not sure really what the payoff would be for AEW. Maybe the, maybe they'll host some of the G1. That'd be kind of cool. That'd be sweet. Uh, if it is, they're taking over Ring of Honor library and going to do the streaming site. Hopefully it's better than that Honor Club website because that was just god awful. But I would love to see a a new Japan, AEW, uh, super show, whatever they would do or G one days. That would be great. That'd be great. Hey, you know, now that Vince is getting back in the ring, maybe they're going to put Antonio Inoki back in the ring. Hell yeah. <laughs> AEW soil, uh, a neutral, <laughs> neutral, uh, field. 
Yeah. Uh, I put in mind that I was looking forward to uh, Buddy Matthews in ring debut. It's been so long since we've actually seen him in a meaningful match. So I'm excited to see what he can do on national TV again. I think, God, it was probably in the NXT days when I last like, was really engaged with him. And it's sad because he's such a fantastic talent. And you kind of forget that he's so good at what he does. And um, I actually thought he was going to come in doing like a Kenny Angle homage angle. So this is a little bit different for me, but um, eh, whatever. It'll be good. I'll be interested to see where it goes. Him and Malachi Black can tear it up, I'm sure. Back in NXT when they were doing the 205 Live like Cruiserweight, or not 205 Live, it was before that. It was like the Cruiserweight Classic. Remember when Ibushi stayed for a few weeks and was still having matches on NXT? Mm-hmm. Buddy and him had a really good no match. Shit. And I would suggest, yeah, go back and watch that if you can find it. Okay. Yeah. Um, it, it was, it, that was like the first time I was like, oh, this guy's, this guy's fucking good. So definitely would suggest anybody go watch that. I'm excited to see him, um, you know, in, in what he does now, but I'm, I'm hoping that, that he kind of breaks out fairly quickly i would love to see him get like a tnt title run at some point sean did you have any thoughts on uh on the buddy stuff um i'm yeah definitely excited to see him uh he had a great match before like a wrestlemania i think he hit a pre-show i can't think of who he wrestled but it was or maybe it was like on the that australian like super showdown that they had i can't remember oh yeah 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 wasn't it it? didn't he win the cruiserweight title off of uh Yeah. yeah cedric yeah yeah great in his home country that was cool uh i think it'll be great i i think he i love house of black i think i've mentioned that probably a hundred times so far on these 21 22 episodes we've done it's great uh can't wait to see him yeah looking forward to it uh and we're looking forward to wrestlemania weekend we have purchased some tickets for blood sport we've also purchased tickets for uh, the New Japan Strong Show in that hotel. So it's going to be amazing. We uh, look forward to seeing you there. We'll talk about that as we get closer to the event. But it's exciting for us to get that booked. And we're excited to go see all the um, other stuff that's going on outside of WrestleMania because there's going to be a lot of stuff to do in Dallas. So uh, that'll be it for the show this week. Again, thanks for listening to us last week. Again, the highest listened to episode we've ever done. So thank you so much. We genuinely appreciate your support. Uh, continue to support us via iTunes or Spotify. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Wrestling Elitist Podcast. And last but not least, please visit WrestlingElitist.com for latest match reviews and articles. Rick Rude, take us away. Hit the music.